Good afternoon. Good afternoon. This is a Saturday afternoon. We are it's a busy Saturday basketball wise here in H Town. You are listening to another podcast by yours truly, KG, the Fifth Water Wildcat, and Dr. Kenyatta Ville. Better known as KG, Fifth Water Wildcat, and Doc Podcast. Fellas, how are we doing this afternoon? It was a great, great end of 2013. It has now become a great, great 2014 with some hirings, some firings, and moving forward, some women's basketball, some men's basketball, college basketball is doing good. It's doing good here in H-Town. He said great firing. He wanted somebody gone. <laughs> Doc, how are you doing, sir? I'm fine after listening to that, but actually it's been a whirlwind uh, as we start to get back in there. Uh, the semester starts next week, um, so I'm having to put a lot of stuff online because I was hitting the road, as we alluded to. World Travelers, back in action. back in, back. Yeah, to- it's time to get back to it. I'm heading to Trinidad, Tobago on Monday and will return on Sunday. I'm going down there for the sports studies in higher education, part of the University of West Indies, who are hosting this event. And I'm presenting a paper, a presentation on reviewing the universities in the Caribbean, particularly looking at um, HBCUs in the Caribbean, which is the University of Virgin Islands, as well as the Puerto Rican universities. Some are members of NCA Division II. And the other, which is University of West Indies and those type of institutions, to kind of look at the difference between how they have athletic programs within their institutions and which model they use, more of the U.S. model, more of the European model, or some creation, if you would, of the same. So it's an intriguing study I thought that I put together. Safe travels to you, sir, and we'll, uh, we'll probably just resume podcast when we return back here. To us land lovers. Um, <laughs> That's true. KG and I have not been become fortunate to conduct seminars on the international level, but we do have Doc. And that's why he's here to add his knowledge and insight to the podcast. Let's get right into what we want to talk about. Let's start out with the, what I meant by firings and let go some coaches, the, the uh, uh, Texans. And I'm going, to, and then we'll move on over to college football. Get the Texans, man. You know, because correct me if I'm wrong. Correct me if I'm wrong, sir. I'm were, you, were you not in Austin for a press conference? I was, I was headed that way, but since you want to get that away, we're going to go that way right now. I mean, weren't you yeah, at the press yeah, conference? Yes, sir. Okay, then I'm uh, going to young, uh, okay young, young black man, young black man, age of 53, Charlie, Charles Renee Strong from Arkansas. Uh, a native Arkansasian has watched the program from afar. Was handed over, handed the reins to run the most prolific, profitable college football program in these United States, University of Texas Longhorns. On Monday, a week, a week, uh, this past week, there was a horde, and I'm gonna say it just like that: a horde of press and media people uh, from the. the uh, that were there to witness this uh, historic situation uh, event. Cause that's what yourself. it was, including myself. And you are who? And you, I am the Fifth Ward Wildcat. Yeah, I texted mm-hmm. him throughout the whole press conference. I was excited about what was going on. He was definitely there because he gave me every inch out of what took place. And then he even gave me the opportunity to uh, turn on because they had a viewing on the internet uh, special announcement. So I watched it about after five minutes in. So, oh, you, um, so you don't have the Longhorn Network? No, I don't have that. I, <laughs> yes. And I have two different cable <laughs> subscribers. And I that, have both. That is still a source of contention for a lot of people. This network and the um, Comcast cable. So I do have the Rocket. Wait, hold up, hold Good up, you. hold up, you hold up. We gonna stop right there. See, <laughs> you can tell me how they look last night losing to the Hawks. Okay, yeah, because yeah, I don't have a clue. Real. I don't have a clue if I'm not there, you know. But uh, but getting back to Monday though, it was it knowing the history of the school, <laughs> knowing what the, you know what had gone on here in the state of Texas concerning college football, including uh, the the uh, issues that were brought about by certain institutions uh, by U of H not. Being able to join the Southwest Conference at an earlier date because of 
their uh, uh, recruiting, re- recruiting uh, situation, both men, uh, uh, men's and women's basketball, and especially football, which was which is the, the uh, engine that, that uh, pulls the, lo- the uh, cars and all behind it, the, the locomotive. That train, it was something else. Which is after, now, as you're talking about, and that was recruiting specifically African-American players. Right. And they were one of the last uh, uh, teams to win a national championship with an all-white. Uh, they were the last. Uh, football team. And uh, to do it. last game between Arkansas and Texas. And they, the heat. Six or was it? Uh, I think it was six three or six or nine somewhere along there. But uh, Coach Strong brought out that he mentioned about he talked about that game that particular game, you know, because they've been involved in Arkansas. Right. Um, but he comes from a very good football tree. Uh, Lou Holtz, uh, Steve Spurrier, and on that uh, and two guys that were on both of those staff was Urban Meyer. And Charles Strong, and they were like two peas in a pod moving up the, uh, the uh, coaching ladder. And well, that's where the connection came in. Right. Right. That's how that guy came about. That's how it came about. And that's how they won two national championships together at Florida uh, with, with that formula. And how now Charlie has gone on to, he moved on to Louisville, and now he's moved on to the University of Texas. And Urban Meyer has moved on to the uh, Ohio State, which is another one of the top programs as far as profitability in athletics uh, in these United States. But so he was part of that staff that that people may not realize that actually recruited right Cam Newton as well as Tim Tebow. Correct. That was well, a, Cam Newton would stay there. It may not have been. We may not have known. We wouldn't have known about a about a Tim Tebow. That's correct. That, that's just eventually we might have because Cam would have left after two years anyhow. But true. You, and, and, instead, you get what what is it? Uh, he uh, it was Tebow and and Leaks were the two that Chris swapped Leakes. Uh, Chris Leaks. Yeah, Chris that, that, Leakes that swapped had out the team to the first championship. Right. And Tim Tebow came in on goal line plays mm-hmm. where he was one almost that. That kind of like the, the, the wildcat football or whatever. The version of wildcat. And and got it done. No you know, but moving on, he was in, once he was introduced, he talked about two things in particular. Well, several things, but he talked about the coaches, Coach Raw's wife, who was in attendance, um, and he talked about uh, about having a long conversation with uh, Coach Coach uh, Brown and having it, it's, you know, just making that continuity. And that flow in the coaching ranks, you know, pretty much how they how it goes. You know, you're welcome at any time. You don't have to call. Just come by. You know, I'm just uh, because I understand I wasn't the first guy. I wasn't the second guy. I was maybe even the 25th guy on the list. But I got the job, and now I'm the coach. And this is what's going to happen. We're going to start closing the border. That was the first thing he mentioned. Then the second thing he mentioned was we're gonna start recruiting mentally tough kids right here. He hadn't had he may have started having the uh, individual conversation with players, but as of Monday, his his mentality was if you are not prepared to get on step step out on the field and play with a mental toughness moving forward, you are in the wrong place. This is not going to happen for you. If you're not in as good a shape as he is, as your own head coach, that's another I, thing that will be a concern. Because I, he, is a, he is still in shape. He's in very good shape, period. <laughs> not long for a 53-year-old man. He's in good shape, No question about it. They said you know, put hand on his back to, you know. They, they, say, everybody talked about that, too. Hurt your hand. Everybody talked about that. They was like, man, you look like you've been working out on a regular basis. <laughs> he said, well. You recruiting, and you work. You're in football. Sometimes you got to demonstrate, so you better be able to get that done. Wow. It was. It, he, is, it, he is older than I thought. I didn't realize he was 53 until like three weeks ago. I didn't either. Uh, I, I thought maybe he was in his mid 40s or somewhere. I thought. He, it, well. it, it, actually, I thought he was right, right about 43. He looked at least 10 years, 10 years younger than than what he is. Well, we, we have great skin, so. Well, 
you know, we, we, great we, melanin and things like that. You know, we are who we are. Black don't crack. That's what they say. We are who we are. You know. Well, let's let's get it. Let's talk about uh, Mr. McCombs, Mr. Red McCombs, and his comments to the San Antonio radio. It station. doesn't it doesn't matter how much money you have. When you put your foot in your mouth, you put your foot in your mouth. And a decision was made by everyone involved in this process from from the moving on of the Lost Dodge, the moving on of Mac Brown, to the hiring of Charlie Strong, to the hiring of Steve Patterson, to uh, President Bill Powers being brought before the board, <coughs> excuse me, and his job, <coughs> his job being threatened. The objective was to keep folks that had been in the loop making decisions that were not on campus to not contact them. It was a conscious effort. And because of that, Joe Jamel, we haven't heard from him yet, his comments. The only thing we know that so far is that he is a person that's responsible for things in Mac Brown's contract that won't allow the University of Texas to just push him to the side. The other thing that we know is that Red McCombs is pissed that all the money that he gave to the institution, he wasn't contacted on this high. So he went on the radio when asked and voiced his opinion publicly, which I thought was probably one of the the most stupidest things he could have done. And I'm, I'm saying it plain and simple just that way because that's what it sounded like to the folks coming, it sounded like coming over there. My compadre? He said, I th- quote, I think they went about it wrong and I think they made the selection wrong. That's one quote. Uh, if we got, he's in love with, he's in love with John Gruden. If we get, if we got Gruden in there for 15 years, that we'd get at least five titles. And we'd set records like we've never set before. So he's already delusional, thinking John Gruden would be a better, would result in championships just for that fact alone right there. Uh, he's 86 years old. It all comes about that he was not included in the process as Wildcat touched on. Uh, the, the quote that really pissed everybody off was, I don't have any doubt Charlie is a fine coach. I think he'd probably make a fine position coach, maybe a coordinator. End quote. That's what he, that's what Red said Monday. Thoughts on that? Well, it's done. Uh, when uh, Charlie was given that job, and I was forced on when I found out how much they were going to pay him, I don't have any doubt for what Charlie's the fine coach. I think he'd probably make a great position coach, maybe a coordinator. And I'll stop it right there for the second time. But I actually wanted to play the sound so you can actually get how he stressed the word maybe. And that really says it all to me. I really didn't have a problem with him coming up with his first opinions of somebody that gave $100 million. I think you have every right to tell people you're frustrated. I don't know if you really go publicly because some people may alienate you more. But of that type of money and you feel like you have a share in the business, uh, which no doubt sports are at the college level, so we won't even trick people to say that uh, spending that type of money shouldn't have you a share. Uh, but where I was really disappointed at his comments, and to be frank, it just sounded like a racist comment. It doesn't mean that he's a racist individual. And I think people need to understand that there's a separation between the two when somebody makes a racist statement or at least an insensitive statement at the very least. Uh, that is, in my opinion, it is and what it is, and he even came out later and gave him credit on that to apologize for it. Uh, but I thought it was disingenuous in terms of making a comment when you use the word that he could be a position coach, and maybe. It's without a question that Charlie Strong is definitely competent and has qualified uh, in terms of being able to be in a position to earn his job. And that's exactly what he did. He earned it. So. That's really all I have to say is that it's unfortunate that you still have uh, people making comments of like this. And I actually did a small analysis that looked at African-American coaches in the past that have had a chance to coach at this level. And many of them before didn't have an opportunity to take on a program, obviously, arguably. Many would suggest, as Red McComb did state, is one of the top three programs, at least in measurable components in terms of financial stability of what it has and the viewing audiences it has. 
um, even though we make fun of the Longhorn Network. But generally, those eyes that would like to watch Texas, their spending powers being top in terms of being just under $900 million of organizational money generated for that overall program, generating the most in terms of football at 130. And these are two independent analyses that were done on the program that topped and far exceeded the next institutions at that level, lets you know the power of University of Texas. Um, and so that's the framework that he's working on. But to close out, to just kind of voice my frustrations with what he says, but I think to move in a positive direction, as you alluded to, Charlie understood that this is part and parcel of taking on these types of jobs. And it is arguably one of the better jobs that you can land top three. So you take that in stride and you move forward. And these are things that you have to look at when you decide to take on a job of that nature. That there are going to be some people out there that may not like you for whatever reason. And how do you create an organization that makes those things work? And that's really for any individual and young people that are moving up in organizations and try to go to different organizational institutions and move from the undergraduate studies and playing athlete athletics at the collegiate level into the pros or taking on a professional career. These are things that you need to understand in the world that we live in, the good, bad, and the ugly at times. How do you become an individual that knows it exists but still works around such that you can be successful as Charlie Strong has done by ultimately landing this job and we'll see as the future will tell how well he will do in it. Now, I'll play semi, somewhat semi-devil's advocate to those who say he's not, Charlie Strong is not uh, a fan of media. How's he going to handle dealing with the Longhorn media, the scrutiny that comes with I think that's fair. Longhorn, just the the brand, the, the whole yeah. Longhorn thing. So we'll see how he deals with that. We'll see how he deals with the boosters. I think that's a fair question to ask. We know that uh, that as we just said, this is a brand. And really, no matter what organization you do, when you start to step into it, taking on one of the brand organizations of the bigger institution, whether that's Ohio State, Michigan, Florida, Georgia, LSU, Alabama, Texas, Oklahoma, uh, USC, just to name right. a few of those top ten brands, if you would, you're going to have to understand that. And in Texas, uh, we, because we're here, like to analyze it as being a bigger brand, a bigger game of politics. In a way, it is. Right. But I don't think it's that measurable difference than if you were at any those top ten institutions, LSU, to add another one in there, where you have to deal with all these different issues, uh, whether it's a Southern framework from historical past transgressions that we'll talk about, or from a Midwest down home south field that they want to talk about, or the lifestyle that you have in California uh, in terms of how they would like to get things done. Wherever you are in those media meccas from the college or professional level, you have to understand those and get it done. And I think at the end of the day, his record speaks for itself that, that he's bright enough, put himself in a position to find a way to get that done. I think ultimately what's going to determine his success, which is any coach, is what he's able to do on the football field with wins and losses, preferably for the University of Texas, conference championships, beating OU, used to be Texas A&M, but that doesn't exist, as well as winning national championships. And we've said in previous podcasts that when, uh, and my friend, who uh, I will send this link to, listen to this, you'll love this part, um, We've said in previous podcasts that when the Longhorns are successful, it's good for business in Texas. Correct. No doubt. There's no doubt. There's so, no doubt. Yeah, we won't run from it. You know, and it doesn't change the fact that I still hate them. Yeah. But I'm a Houston Cougar graduate and part yeah. of it. But yeah, I'm yeah. not stupid nor naive to know that they're good for the state when they're, when they're playing well and winning and successful and bringing all kinds of attention to football and, and here in, in the state of Texas. Well, being a fan and supporting your institution, you're supposed to hate uh, but that's part and parcel of right. business. But, but it that doesn't does not mean, mean that you it. can't tell it like it is. Exactly. So I wish Coach Strong the best. Uh, I've heard if he hasn't finalized much of his staff just no. yet. I, I, that's I, the next interesting thing. Uh, now, to that extent, 
some of the, the coaches and all have already left. You know, uh, there will be a new, uh, there will definitely be a new uh, strength and conditioning uh, coach. Uh, Mad Dog will not be on the sideline anymore. Um, a, a new old, uh, offense coordinator, new defensive coordinator. Uh, he had basically uh, decided on which direction he's going to go, uh, and anyone in particular. But he definitely wants to uh, 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 bring in somebody with uh, recruiting ties to this state, not just to the area, but to this state that can get the, the tough kid or the kid that wants to come to UT and play, not just come and wear the brand. He, want, he wants to avoid that as much as possible because the question was asked about uh, five-star, four-star, and three-star athletes uh, Doc, you laughing at because you know, you know where I'm headed with because that. Because the majority of that is political. The long ones that uh, roster previous years are chock full of five star, four star guys who play like one star guys. <laughs> and you know, when they get hit in the mouth, they run, a, they, they cower and cry and don't man up and, and pull up the big boy pants and get the job done. Now, with that being said, and he gave one particular example that I thought it was funny and made people in the media laugh as well when Go he ahead. talked about his quarterback and losing that was being recruited by Miami and LSU. He was a five-star, and all of a sudden he wins the recruiting race and he decides <laughs> to come to Louisville, and all of a sudden he goes to a four-star. Mm-hmm. No, he went to he dropped all the way down to a three. Three-star. So that tells, but that tells you that. He he did mention tell, uh, tell the folks to understand Bridgewater, that, yeah. um, that I'm looking for a guy that wants to come and play football, period. You know, not somebody that wants to come and wear the uniform and nurture. He kept stressing that more than anything other than closing the border. Uh, as you alluded to being an alum of U of A, my brother is an alum of University of Texas. And I was doing an actual study. And this was more of a basketball study at first when we looked at uh, what we call the money games. And I was really trying to figure out if there was some any psychosocial issue with players when they would play those money games. And just to make it quick, I'll say that the outcome of the study suggested that players just want to play so much that I didn't see any evidence of real psychological pain or sociological issues associated with players playing those money games, which quite surprised me. But out of that came another study where I was looking at recruiting for HBCUs or any institution, U of H, at that level. I'm trying to figure out why do you choose Texas and what was the problem with Texas having all these quote unquote four stars, five stars that played like one and two stars when the action got out. And what was going on and why couldn't Texas with all the money before they landed that championship, this conversation took place. Because he was a freshman when Ricky Williams won the Heisman Trophy and set freshman records before Williams uh from uh Odessa Permian came in and break broke some of them. But with that being said is he mentioned one thing that was curious to me that kind of brings back the point that we're talking about and illustrates about not just wearing the helmet. And he said when they had a tough loss to UCLA, which a lot of people kind of say has that same type of mentality when you look at the West Coast, mm-hmm. is that uh, and they were getting beat up by UCLA, which really frustrated a lot of people. And was that point he made was that he felt that there were too many people that played the University of Texas at that time, and some may say even now, that just wanted to wear the Longhorn helmet. And we're not in the business, as we have some mm-hmm. of the quotes around here, other people that do sports, but they were not in the business of football, which is, as you just said, Chris, getting down and nasty when somebody hits you in the mouth and saying, you're not hitting me in the mouth. Anymore. Right. Yeah, that's, that's the first and like only that. time you hit me in the mouth. Right. I want yeah. you to understand that I didn't appreciate that. So, we'll, you know, <laughs> that's all part. Because on the outside looking in, and this is not to say we're elitist, but honestly, looking in, people look at the recruiting services and see, oh, we got four stars, five star players, blah blah blah. I mean, it's all politics. It's, it's based on the, the brand, it's based on the apparel, it's based on a whole bunch of other different factors than actual talent. Can the kid play? What, what does the kid do when it's nut cutting time? When when stuff hit the fan? How they react under pressure? All those kind of things. And all you say to boosters, well, we we, we signed a a bunch of five-star players. Okay, well then why do y'all stink? Why have y'all struggled when, it, when it's we're going against our arch rival? What, what's, what's the problem here? And, and the reality and is those kids 
weren't five star players to begin with. And you know the one thing that you that that, that comes to my mind is what happened over transpired over U of H. First with uh, 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 who was before Case uh, when when you all went there, when Coach Browse was was there the quarterback. I'm talking about quarterback positions right right now. Okay. Um, who I, played before yeah, Case? Yeah. Oh, I got uh, uh, um, But when you all won the championship, um, it'll come to me. Yeah, it'll it, come to me in a second. But yeah, that was a succession of, of uh, quarterbacks and all that had come through. Folks hadn't looked at them. Uh, Coach Browse and Coach Sumlin had, you know, they just made a decision. Case was going to be, you know, the guy to, uh, to carry on. <clears throat> and they still have yet to, you know, to find a replacement and everything. But it all boils down to, you got to find that guy that wants to, that wants to get it done every day. Uh, we've all noticed that the last three, uh, Heisman Trophy winners weren't big recruits. You know, from RG3 to uh, uh, Johnny, Johnny Manziel and, and Jameson Winston, guys that went to other places, found a way, succeeded, won the biggie, and they had... Uh, and those are the ones that won, basically, the highs and trophy that you refer to. That doesn't even count the other ones that are in the league uh, that... Left Texas to go to other major brands. Drew Brees is Alabama, is, Purdue, Georgia. Nick Foles. Nick Foles, Georgia. Uh, what's the quarterback from uh, Detroit coming out of there? Uh, Matt Stafford. Yeah. yeah. And Georgia Stafford, coming yeah. out of Texas. So yeah, you had a lot of them. league is littered with Texas quarterbacks. So. And when you are accustomed to you talking about Kevin Cobb. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Thank you, sir. Uh, and when you're accustomed to, as they say, stockpiling, which is what UT used to do, they quit stockpiling. What Alabama has been able to do to be successful but during their little stint. The, the difference is they find those guys that didn't mind sitting because they knew once they got their shot, they're going to have their shot. Yeah. You know, they, they weren't just sitting around on campus going to school. The one other thing I'd like to pull out about Charlie Strong that I think is interesting, a lot of people had problem with Texas as well before we move forward. There's also something that you see that people talk about Alabama is the preparation kids had and believed at least and some people may question where it bears out. They at least were getting drafted but coming out of Alabama taking your turn and then being able to go and parlay that into an NFL professional career where you had some of that in a way at Texas very early with players but there still was a question about a lot of those players in terms of their toughness when they made it to the league. And I'm sure they didn't make it with some of them that even didn't quite make it to the league because they couldn't even pass the first um, analysis of their toughness, which is something that Charlie Strong is supposed to bring to the table in terms of he has gotten those quote-unquote two and three and some four-star players to play up a level, which a lot of people at Texas were looking for that did not necessarily see players that were graded at these four or five stars, going back to what you said. Not only being able to punch back in the mouth, but being able to escalate their skill sets that they yeah, had. Co- coaching the players up. Coaching the players yeah, up. Definitely. And becoming better at their craft. And that's part of, to me, that's part of being a, uh, that's the job of a coach, is to absolutely take the talent that a player has, make a good player great, Make an average player good. You know, that's part of being a, a successful coach. We'll see. We'll see. And even having talented players, because everybody knows and believes that coaches need talented players to win. But you still have to be able to get that talent, get those players to maximize their talent. To be champions. To, to be champions. Which brings Step me to. on the field and in life. Basketball. Brings me to basketball and the ultimate <laughs> champion on the college level. Yes. The Connecticut on the women's college level. The Connecticut Huskies. Doc, are you and having fun watching UConn play? Yeah, Gino, Oriema. I can't look at them the same. Now. And uh, amazing. Are you believing that? Are they, you believing? They grind for nine. Absolutely. They have all American. They're not even a. They're not even a very deep team. I, I had a chance before the podcast see them mash Temple University eighty to thirty six today. Earlier today, and um, keep in mind, folks, Temple is coached by a former UConn player and coach who's assistant coach on Gino's staff. So they it doesn't matter who they play. They beat them by forty four. Earlier in the week, 
They beat the University of Houston by 50 in Connecticut, which is a little bit off my score. I predicted it to be 104 30. And, and final Jeff- score was 90 to 40. And I'm going to say time score was 51 to 19. And apparently, the first few minutes of the game scored 36 to 5. Yeah, stuff like that. I wasn't watching because I knew it was going to be other way. Anyhow, I didn't want to see it on Twitter. I didn't want to even be bothered by it. But wow. Sunday, I wrote a commentary. My first commentary, I call my commentaries on my, my uh, website, houstonrombardview.com, Basketballs for Thought. I had not written a commentary in, in, since Dwight Howard signed with the Rockets. So it, was, so it was months since I did this. The title of the, of the commentary is UH Women's Basketball Program is a Mess. And the sentence, opening sentence is, this is Sunday. The Houston Cougars, 4-2 overall, 0-3 in conference, will be 0-4 in conference play in the American Athletic Conference after the January 7th game against the number one ranked Navy Huskies. That's not earth shattering. We all knew that was going to happen. Yeah. They lost by 50. Two weeks ago, the University of Houston announced the resignation of Todd Buchanan due to personal reasons as the head coach of the women's basketball team one day after win over the Rice Owl and one week before their first game in the American Athletic Conference. Assistant coach Wade Scott is interim head coach and will finish the season. My commentary discusses the rumors and reasons I've heard and been told to me uh, for the resignation of Coach Buchanan. Skip all that. I'm going to fast forward down to it. I encourage everyone to go to my blog, my website, houstonbarview.com, and, and see the blog and read the commentary for yourself. But the 2013-14 season seems that seems as if it will get worse. In fact, now that conference play is underway, I wouldn't be shocked if the Cougars go zero for the American, 0-18, plus one more loss in the conference tournament. Despite the program's troubles since they made that tournament run just three years ago, when they went 26-6, and coaches still view the University of Houston women's basketball program as an untapped gym because of the amount of talent in the greater Houston area and in the state of Texas. In fact, I know of seven coaches who are interested in the job, yet seven. These seven coaches are very good recruiters, and recruiting is the lifeblood of a program. Since I wrote this, I've heard got two more names after this, so it's now nine. Nine folks who want this job. Hold on. It's probably more. Because on Thursday... I'm I not going to say names. It, yeah. I'm not going to do that. But on Thursday, Thursday evening, somebody, two people text me and contacted me on Friday since I had time. I don't know whether these, you know, was a combination of the two that knows both of us, you know, from, from being out. But I know for a fact five people that I didn't even, the three little folks, I didn't even think they were interested in moving. But all they talked about was, I can find a way to, to turn that program around. I want that job. Who do I talk to? Who do I need to talk to? When is, you know, when is the process going to get started? You know, are they going to put a committee? When is the committee going to get, get together? And I was like grilled about one person for almost 30 minutes. I was like, well, wait a minute now. Don't you have practice? Folks, it's going to be interesting when the names and all surface after what, February 15th, of, uh, the 1st of March, whenever the I say 1st of March, right as soon as they lose it. Because somebody asked me, and I said, uh, uh, around the 1st of February, names are going to start floating out. But the 1st of March, names are going to be just out there laid open in the public. But let me it, say it's this. It's going to be oh, interesting. Because yeah, I think before you, and I get to, before you and I get to Nashville, Nashville yeah. somebody's going to be with that job. I say no because, because, when they hired Todd Buchanan, they were doing the interviewing and stuff, doing the Final Four uh, previously, a few years ago. So I think they're going to wait. Okay. I'm a, I'm a, I hope to talk to Mac Rose off the record, if need be, to see where his head's at. Because I got the question from a person interested in the job about the facilities. What are they going to do regarding basketball facilities? Where they stand on that? Are they, are they going to What's the timetable on building, building that? What's the timetable on basically investing in the program and getting, as we touched on it moments ago about football, getting in the business of women's basketball? Because point blank, if they're not, if the U of H is not serious about women's basketball, they're not serious about investing time and money into making a successful program. Right. Then I'm not gonna waste anybody else's time 
who's interested in this job. It, it, it could actually go down to about three or four people that just want the job, just to want the job. Yeah. If, if that if that comes out that they are interested in being being on the cheap, yeah, which is what they've been, it'll it, that list will drop off the map. It'll be it'll it'll drop all the way down to pretty much. And I will write and say so that school is being on cheap. School needs to stop that, lying that to everybody was, in there. That question has been asked by everybody. American. That's not true. If you want to be cheap, be cheap. Don't don't you know if that's what you want to do, say so. Yeah, don't hide. You know, don't hide behind the fact. You know, we'll just move on. Folks on Aggies and other programs in the state of Texas who want to compete in for national championships and go from there. Yep. I have a question. I think about this before we started the podcast. A year or so ago, maybe a month or so, month, months ago, U of H passed a student. The students voted for a fee. Increase in fees. Increase yeah. student fees. And it passed. It for passed. For athletics. Right? Was for athletics or was it for football? No, no. It was for athletics. They, talked, they, they pushed the football in the stadium, but it was for athletics because it was a, it was a big brouhaha on campus. Days up to the vote, whether it was going to pass or not, and it passed by a wide margin. It surprised some people that it passed by. Yeah, it's like seventy thirty, something like wow, that. That is wide. But my, if, assuming that, and it, it it did pass, it seems like there should be money, monies available to go toward women's basketball. If you have student fees, because U of H has well, almost forty thousand students now. Right. Role. And this, I think the student fee, I, I want to get this correctly. I don't know if it's $100 uh, a semester or, or what, whatever. Or 100 for the year. I think it's $100 per semester. So if you have that amount of money coming in, I would choose to believe that some of this would go toward women's basketball to make the program viable and competitive. I may, uh, find out that I'm wrong and that they all only want to focus on men's basketball and football, of course. If that's the case, then fine. We'll say accept that fact. I'll be critical of them for a bit and then I'll move on to other people who care about women's basketball. And I'll see them and wave to them from the Final Four when they're not there at all. And trust me, <laughs> uh, Doc, we, we do wave a lot. We do wave a lot. So we'll we'll see... And I, you know, Wildcats getting contact. I'm getting contacted. I spoke yesterday about the position, and it's still it's an interesting. Folks want this job, and that's what I had to figure out. I, and I and I guess it's because you and I are so close to this situation, we just don't see what they see as far as why they want this job. You know, other than they. they they just believe they are the person that can turn hoops around in the city of Houston and make it viable. And it, it, it's, it's just strange. I think it's, I think it's like many of the programs, the universities around here. It seems like Houston seems to be the place where if you look at it, that everything, quote unquote, is in place for you to have a successful program in whatever sport that you would. Uh-huh. And so I think those are some things that come out. And people that don't necessarily know the internal mechanisms, struggles that some people would suggest taking place that allows them to say, all right, I can be the one to get it done. But in fairness to that, I would suggest if you can do some of those things, along with U of H deciding that they are going to be in the business of athletics, uh, finding those mechanisms for money and all the displacements and services out there, along with, particularly in basketball, the conference alliance they have, that there are some opportunities to do some special things. And I think that's one of the reasons that... $45 per semester per student to be increased. Um, I think that's one of the reasons why, co- why coaches students, I want that, but basically because of the conference that they're in, and they're seeing you know, the financial... Uh, rewards, but they also seeing the, re- the recruitment should it should get better, and it will get better, and they'll be the person that will just make that happen. Now, how that goes about? Because what I'm seeing right now in front of us, 
especially that late on the day, I'll have an opportunity to watch the women basketball or, or play again. I guess that that leads to a question that may many people, or at least comes to my mind, and maybe some of the listeners to the podcast may appreciate you all with the depth of knowledge you have of focusing on women's basketball for the long period of time that you have, and being emerged in some of the special programs that have sustained it, some that have went up and down. In your opinion, what are the key factors, particularly in the sport of women's basketball, maybe in athletics overall if you would like to go that route, but particularly with your expertise of covering basketball in general, specifically women's basketball, of those programs that you've seen rise, fall, have the sustain, what are the three to five critical factors that you would suggest needs to take place for a program to move from as we talked about earlier, average to good, good to great. Alumni support, uh, support from the athletic administration, talent, facilities, uh, conference affiliation. Because one thing that we have to talk about is Connecticut is so much better than everybody in the country, but they are just light years better than everybody in the American Athletic Conference. And they're, my friends in Connecticut uh, are already wondering where this is going to go. What can the Huskies do? Can they leave the American? When When is the talent going to get better in the conference? Those questions are already out there. I've had people already say this is going to become the ways of La Tech back in the day. They, yeah, they yeah, dominated women's basketball for for eons. That conversation was brought up, and, you know, we're, and then Old Dominion before that when they won championships. When is it? How long do we have to wait before our conference opponents get to a level of being semi-competitive, if not completely competitive, with UConn? Yeah, no, and no. I guess what's curious about that is when you talk about competitive, because UConn was winning all those championships in the Big East, there were at least some competitive games, particularly towards the end of that era with Notre Dame, Louisville. Part of that is some doing uh Saint uh no uh Ruckus right before that during that period of time. But now you're not even talking about teams challenging them but just having respectable games instead of thirty, forty, fifty point blowout. Because Louisville and Rutgers are leaving the conference this season and starting next season, we're now in the fall of twenty fourteen. Other than Yukon it'll be Temple, Cincinnati, and then Conference USA 2.0 with Houston, Tulane, Tulane East Carolina, Tulsa, you know, SMU. Now, those, those. UConn moving cool. still go, goes back to what you mentioned earlier. It, uh, when all this was brought about, that football has to get better. Now they just made a coaching change, and where are they gonna move to? That's, and that's going to be the that, that's going to be the key to them moving out of that conference because the question is going to always come up: What can your football program bring to our conference? We know, you know, what the basketball what, what, what the basketball program is going to bring. What is your football going to bring? You know, is it going to be a, a, a not so much a money maker, but is it something that folks want to sit down and watch on a Saturday afternoon? Plus, you got to look at that, and when you look at expansion. Not only is it about football, but even bigger in my opinion, it's about media money. And uh, what do they have? Right. And so that's one thing that some my Connecticut friends have kind of accepted. They're stuck. They, they, they're stuck because until the football program raises up, if, not until, if the football program raises up, they're still in the Connecticut media market. There's a whole bunch of other factors that the women's basketball can't control, so they might be stuck. So they really have to pray that SMU, Houston, South Florida, Cincinnati and Temple, especially those two teams, Cincinnati and Temple, raise their level of talent, their their level of commitment to the programs, to their level, to the Connecticut level. And that could be years years away from now. Years away. And Cincinnati has improved. And the five components that you said that you need to do to raise those things, of what you mentioned, are not easy things that you just say, okay, we're going to do that. Those are things that you have to create 
strategy over least, in my opinion, four or five to sometimes ten years periods of time to get it done. And see, another thing is Connecticut media people, they are so far beyond what these other folks that are coming in from Conference USA, it is, um, I, I commend them. The conference office, not so much, but that particular school, when it concerns their women's basketball program, their men's basketball program, is a statewide media alert that everybody watches. With ESPN and all that. Well, no, not, right. just, not, not just ESPN. No, I'm saying in addition to what you just said oh, yeah. in the whole state is that because you also have you Today's Connecticut ESPN. Temple women's basketball game was shown on Sports New York. Fox Sports New York or whatever whatever it is. And that's the market within itself. So, I mean, it right. was it's a big deal. Right. Connecticut women's basketball is a big deal in the Northeast. They're sending, that crew's coming down here for the butt whipping in February. They're sending media down here to Houston to watch the Huskies roll, crash roll. Coach Wade Scott and his Cougars on February 22nd <laughs> on a Saturday afternoon. And, and, and folks, Chris and I have, have witnessed this. When Geno plays you the second time around and you have not gotten any better, I'm not calling the dogs up. That's not my fault. He'll, tell you, he'll just like roll it out there and let's go. That's not my fault. If they going to show up looking like that, that's on them. And they, I think the Cougars shot twenty some percent in the game against UConn. It's bad. Wait, wait a minute. See, they they shoot. That's what they shoot. They shoot thirty five percent or so on, on, for on the average. year. Period. They on can't the make shots, and that comes down to talent evaluation. And that's the U of A staff. It's clear to me, staff needs to go. Coach McCann resigned. Was asked to resign. Whatever, whatever you want to call it. Coach Scott, the coaches that are there now are also culpable for the talent that is on the, the team right now. They all need to go. They need to be replaced. Unless the administration is content with where they are where they are right now. But I do believe that if they go winless in conference or just really are awful, even if they go two two and sixteen, whatever, that there are now a growing number of alums who are willing to willing to make a change. So we'll see what happens in a couple of months. I don't want to forget a few things. I've, I'm, I almost forgot about this. I want to send uh, my condolences to uh, Kelvin Sampson and his family. His mom passed away Friday night. He oh. left the Rockets to go uh, be with the family. Uh, the Rockets, on a, on a lighter note, played an awful game versus the Hawks Friday night and lost to the Hawks 83-80. to Um they can't. They have problems feeding the post. How how are NBA? How professional basketball players have problems feeding the post? I just that boggles my mind. I see it on high school level as a problem. Chris, high level as a problem. But yeah, in, in the NBA, it's a problem. That just makes no sense to me. How you can no? That, that is know. a serious because we just saw that. We, we, we talked about that. that it's it's a game Richard. on Monday night. Uh, and Coach Davis has said, yeah, that they have problems they feeding the post. Major problem feeding the post, and it dictated. In a lot of ways, the outcome of that game. And, and you and I witnessed two national championship games right back to back. The biggest person out on the floor, guard could get the ball to the to the post, and it went was two in minutes a, to go, and the game it, and was game done, over, out the window. No championship. You, I, we can it, talk about Connecticut women, but I don't want to forget about the Connecticut men coming to Texas and leaving zero and two. Now that shocked me. They that came, really they came shocked to me. Hines, on New Year's Eve, and first half got just dominated by the Cougars, which shocked everybody in, in the building. Everybody yeah, watching on TV. Cougars led 40 to 24, 41-24 at halftime. Led 43-24 early second half, and then Shabazz Napier said, "This, this, this is not, this is wrong." And in the blink of seven minutes, the game was tied. Cougars looked just awestruck. The game be tied so quickly, but to their credit, they regrouped, found a way to win the ball game. So UConn, I mean, U of H alums were shocked and thrilled to death, and James Dickey was the best thing since sliced bread and all these wonderful things. Then the Cougars followed up, going on the road and beating South Florida to go 2-0 and in conference this past Tuesday. I don't know if they got overconfident, 
But Cincinnati came to town. Head coach Mick Cronin and his his players looked like men in the first half going going against U of A. U of A just looked scared. They were down at halftime by a lot, but they came back, pulled within three, had a chance, went through an eight minute drought in the second half, and still had a chance at the end of the game to tie the game up. Lost by one after a, a three point shot at the buzzer, and they were down by four. Mm-hmm. But uh, the Cougars in the last three, these three conference games showed that they can compete in conference. Now they go to Louisville on the 16th. That game is going to be on the CBS Sports Network. We'll see what they do there because Louisville's press defense is problematic for a lot of teams. But the Cougars are still without LJ Rose, so their guard core is kind of depleted. And they're still without the annual house as well. So they're, they're playing better ball without two main weapons. So is it chemistry or, or well, it's what? Chemistry to me, chemistry with no doubt, because it's not—it's not so much talent. They have talent, probably nine, ten deep, but the rotation without the injuries has tightened up, and guys are playing defense more. They're being competitive more. They're actually playing like they give a damn on defense, which Coach Dickey was, has harped on to us <laughs> since media day. Yep. So, so that's a good thing. We'll see what they do against Louisville. I'm not no, but no one expecting to win the game. The game tips off at six o'clock on Thursday on the sixteenth. But they got to be competitive. I want them to be competitive in every game they play. And if, if they can get to 500 in conference, they'll have a definite shot to go to a postseason tournament. So that that's important. Uh, the Riot Styles lost to some fellow 0-1 after Thursday's conference opener, 71-60 to FIU, Florida International. That's on the men's side. The Riot women went on the road. Oh. I'm still one. shocked about that score. And I just didn't see that. FIU, who has the second leading score in the country, Jericho right. Coley. And shut her down. And beat them 59-41. I, w- I didn't think in the world Rice Isle women team could, could contain anybody to 41 points, especially someone with who has a all-country score in Miss Coley on the squad. So, she, cause that, up, until, up until that night, she was averaging, what, 28 points 28, 26, 28 points a game. And she scores, I think, 16 and was only made like 625 shots. He struggled from the be able to shoot against through our defense. Now I'm gonna ask this question. You know, you know, I'm just being messy now. Because we played the whole game, of course. <laughs> I mean, I probably only had one foul, but you know. And there we go. There we go. I, don't know, I didn't check the box score for that. Look how many fouls she had, but. Uh, but somebody teams, played defense. Oh, somebody yeah, played. Uh, somebody played defense that night. Nikki and Akati Maduka played defense against Coley. They, they took t- turn tag team and uh, Coley. It was a good team effort by them. Both teams are in Florida. Well, white women play Florida Atlantic today, Saturday at 4 p.m. Rice men host Fort Atlantic Saturday evening at 7 p.m. HBU Huskies, are, both men and women are 0-3 in Southland Conference play. Um, I saw the... Uh, they got to do better. Uh, the uh, the women. The State uh, Saturday now, afternoon. Should win. Evening. Should win. Uh, the men struggle. They struggle from the, from the, from the opening tip to the uh, end of the game. Uh, the women, they found themselves in a, uh, found a sense of urgency and closed the gap. Uh, Stephen F. Austin, who's... To, uh, at Tom's the top of the, right, the, the right. Tom's leader right mm-hmm. now, they have been winning games by 20 or 30 points. Uh, they find themselves in a buzzsaw when they got cute. And that's what I call it. Kids do what kids do in a game. Get a 30 point lead, a 20 point lead, and you want to fall back into a, you know, a, 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 a sense of a false, uh, entitlement. And before <laughs> they looked up, you know, the game, it, it, yeah. it, they were, you know, down 13, down, uh, to, uh, around 10 or 9, and, HBU couldn't finish. That's how, it, and, and that, as they say, when you can't finish late in the game, that goes the game. You can be as strong as all that does up until that last three or four minutes of, a, of the second half. And if you can't finish it, can't hold the team off, ball game's over. And to top off our basketball Saturday at the HNPE, a very important rivalry to take place between Prairie View and Texas Southern. Women tip off at 5.30. Fellas tip off, I'm going to say 8 o'clock because it'll be roughly 30 minutes after the first game ends. So roughly 8 o'clock. Everybody's 1-1 one one in SWAC. Um, TSU men lost on the ESPNU Monday to this Southern. Late. So this, you know, winner of this game goes 2-1, and one, loses 1-2. One and two. And Doc made a, position, a, a, a prediction here earlier today. And I was kind of shocked on that. Yeah, I did. If you, I'd give so what, it out again. What's your prediction? My prediction is that uh, they'll go 1-1. Mm-hmm. and one. That the women, really, Texas Southern, will defeat 
You prayer view. Hold up, sir. And there I you go. Me and Diablo, a prayer view. Well, beat TSU? Yeah, and the reason I have well, this on the road. Enlighten me now, please. I think that I really was. I was disappointed what I saw. I was really concerned about what took place uh, versus Texas Southern and Southern. And there's a couple of things. I think the talent is there for um, Texas Southern to defeat Prairie View. But I think they're not playing together as a cohesive group. You talked about the problems with getting the ball to the paint with Kibbs going to Eric Murray. We know the talent that he had. Obviously, I don't think Prairie's on that limit. But I would suggest I went and seen this Texas Southern. I mean, the Southern and Prairie View game as well. Remember, that was a two-point game where yeah. Prairie View actually leading with about two minutes in that game, two points. And the game was that old way. So I think there's some talent uh, at Prairie View that people are just not recognizing. I know there's some questions in terms of the coaching matchup that I think will be there. But if those guys do not play any better as a team together, and one thing that I brought up uh, that you were alluding to is essentially – if you're not getting anything with Ray Penn, because there's still a question in terms of the ground whether he's going to go tonight. Uh, so if you don't well, that have makes, that, that makes a big difference then. Yeah. That makes a huge difference. Yeah. If you don't have him going, and that's what I'm losing. I'm not sure he's going to be going there. If he is, how effective will he be uh, in terms of trying to come back off that growing? With that being said, if he's not in there, that means you have five new starters on the floor. Yeah. And I don't think people have really uh, understood what that meant, particularly coming off of what they were able to do with Temple. But remember, in that game they had Ray, mm-hmm. Penn, which means now you have depth with Gibbs coming off the bench. Gibbs played 40 minutes against yeah. uh, the full-time against Southern. He's not used to that. I'm not sure if he's really that capable of doing that. And even if he is and gives you something that Ray gives you, what happens to your bench? Right. Because the, they weren't deep right. to begin with. You have the transfer from Marshall coming in. He, he just hit the floor this week. He didn't play in the, with the team during the fall because he wasn't eligible to come in. Right. You have Rodriguez coming in from the JUCO, Eric Murray transferring in. So they've kind of played together. But even uh, your player that's coming back sat out last year uh, from the fact that he had a year to sit out. So now he's on the floor. So you have five people on the court if Gibbs is playing the starting role that have not played together uh, at one time other than really one game, Oh yeah, two games this year. And well that's well thought saying. out, yeah. I mean – we know you. You you don't just say stuff that's put stuff out the sky. So you had reasons for your prediction. So you know that I'm cool with that, and we'll see how all, all right. plays out. But have I think you heard question, any ideas of tickets sold? Anything for attendance? I know that. No, the, I think the chairbacks have been pulled about, out. I know uh, everything's pulled out, and it looks like they're expecting a big crowd. All those students are just getting back right. in here. They've had about uh, 1,100 uh, for the Southern game, which they thought was pretty big coming out. About 1,400, 1,100 for Saturday. Yeah, it was game. cold Monday. Yeah. Cold kept me in. Cold kept me in. So I'm looking really? uh, for them. Cold kept me in. Cold kept you in. Yes, sir. Are you, uh, speaking Plus, of that, have about 5,000, 6,000 people so, yeah. in here. Football be a pretty good, time, good uh, attendance for this time of year. Is it on TV? No. Not even SWAC? Digital? No. No, I had no. Man, that's a mistake. I, I, know. I take I take that back. I think it is. I'm, I'm glad you mentioned it. I take that back. It is on SWAC Digital, both men's and women's SWAC Digital. So they did it, get, so they yeah. did get that straight now. All right. <laughs> they had put out a release that it would be on there. I haven't seen the equipment. That's what, that's what I was going to say, because yeah. I'm wondering about the, the quality. It's still kind of early. The quality okay. of All right. Yeah, because yeah, they, 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 what I was told, they bring their own server and the equipment in, and, just, and it, uh, it doesn't take them long. It doesn't take to, them long. To, uh, to uh, get it set up and, and well, all. We, we've talked and all we're this time. we're in a uh, very nice facility that is TV ready, as they say. You cut trope bags up, plugs but, in. But we've talked all this time with, without telling folks who we are and how to interact. With we us. do that sometimes. You know, well, when we get into the flow. So, Doc, how can folks contact you, sir? Sure. Thank you. And who are you again, sir? I'm Dr. Kenyatta Caville. I'm a sport management professor right here at Texas Southern. University, you can get me on the blogs, uh, if you would, at uh, onandon.com, that's www.onnidan.com, as well as tspnsports.com. Email me directly, that's kcaville at thg-agency.com. I'm also on the social media platforms of Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, excuse me there, Dr. Kenyatta Caville, D-R-K-N-Y-A-T-T-A. C-A-V-I-L. Again, it's D-R-K-E-N-Y-A-T-T-A-C-A-V-I-L. So those are the ways you can contact me, also known as the sports professor, Dr. Kenyatta Kovic.
Wildcat. And I am the Fifth Ward Wildcat. You can find me on the uh, internet platform, media platform of Twitter, Blogger, and uh, excuse me, uh, and YouTube. Uh, my uh, post game and interviews and all are posted there. Uh, my uh, my connections uh, with the uh, different teams and all that I come contact with and my interviews can be found on my blog uh, uh, blog site. It is AKSVDCSR blogspot.com. Same with YouTube and on Twitter. And also uh, the uh, online and print edition of A King Size View. The next one will be out in two weeks. Uh, it'll be an, an interesting write-up, basically because I'll finish up on my football bowl wrap-up, and now I'll be it will be headed down the road toward NC2A men's and women's basketball with a little uh, softball and a little baseball thrown in. I understand some some programs are starting to uh, uh, do some uh, preseason camps and uh, exhibitions and scrimmages and introductions. And I am KG of the Houston Round Ball Review. Website is www.houstonroundballreview.com. Twitter handle is T-H-E, the, Z, depending on where you're from, H-R, review. That's T-H-E, H-R, review on Twitter. Instagram is Houston Round Ball Review. Facebook, uh, Houston Round Ball Review Facebook fan page. So we're all out there. I have a Houston Round Ball View YouTube channel as well. My post-game videos from the Rockets. You see Coach Kevin McHale post-game pressures on the channel, as well as my post-game interviews for U of H and uh, Rice, TSU, et cetera, et cetera, on the Houston Round Ball View YouTube channel. Going to head over to Hawkeye to see a battle of the 0-4 Houston Cougars women's basketball team in the American, that is, 0-4 in conference play versus the 0-4 in conference play Cincinnati. Squad, Cougars lose today. They'll probably go winless in Conference USA. Excuse me, Ooh, that's Conference USA. Ooh, that's bad. And the American. Um, you know, they could lose in the Conference USA right now. The way. They, are. they probably could Newton in the new Conference USA. But anyway, basketball is, is in effect Saturday afternoon and evening for, for all three of us. Um, we'll have another podcast when the World Traveler returns from uh, Trinidad. So uh, safe travels to you, sir. Is that how you pronounce it? Sure, yes. I'm. I'm be ready. I'm gonna have Trinidad. Yes, I'm assuming you'll have uh, photos, pics on your Instagram account. Yes, I will. So I look. So I look forward to that. Um, anything else we want to talk talk about before we head to Hawkeye? That's all I have. Yeah, that's it for me. You know, it's it, uh, it's just good to see that uh, the football season has finished. College football season has finished. Shout out uh, to the Florida State Seminoles. I've been a fan since Dion was there. You know, yeah. so I'm glad. Uh, now I'm gonna ask you, fellas, that second half that tells you what happens when you don't respect your. I'm, I'm gonna say this: if you don't respect your opponent, the second half of a game, you will find out who you really are and what you rep- and what is represented either by the winner or by the loser. Yeah, I don't think it's so much as them uh, disrespecting uh, their opponents, but I can understand the framework that you, how you look at that. I just think it was a case where you had a Florida State team that was very talented and finally figured out what Auburn was doing to them defensively. Um, they were trying to do some traditional things they like to do in their game plan, which is throw down the field uh, and go up against the bigger receivers they had. And the way Auburn was playing them in terms they of blitzing from everywhere yeah. and couldn't read it, that they couldn't, they didn't have the time, so they, they switched up. Yeah, they didn't run the ball enough in the first half. They were trying to, you know, just do things. It's it's interesting, right? And went to short passing, that right? Was really, they didn't do, they didn't play up tempo in the first half like they did in the second half. So just certain things that were would have helped Jameis Winston get comfortable quicker. Correct. In the first half, running the ball and more up tempo style, they did in, in the exactly. all those things they finally did in the second half. But it was an impressive drive in the last minute and 14 minute, 14 seconds, or however much time left that they went 80 yards to go for and score the winning touchdown. On a much more serious note, 
Uh, we can't sugarcoat it. We can't gloss over it. He is not out of the woods in terms of the law, you know, in a civil suit that the young lady is going to uh, file against him for the assault that took place in what now December 2012. Yeah, no so, question about it. So I mean, it's serious in terms of financial, but I do think it's intriguing that every time he has uh, a moment of a big moment of shine, of shine, something comes up from uh, mm-hmm. that lawyer. Yes, in regards to her, right after the Heisman Trophy mm-hmm. announcement win, she came out, made some comments in terms of them moving forward. Now he wins the championship game. Uh, is honored uh, with the MVP component of that, and the day after, uh, she, the lawyer for the lady that has accused him, that obviously he was not charged with, uh, which needs to be stated um, in regards to that. Now, there's a when you really start looking at a case, there's some reason for a lot of that, and so oftentimes there's this prism that we look at this, and and there's a reason why because a lot of these things are true. Uh, and what goes on, and we have looked so past it in many cases, looked the other way for whatever reason. And and I think the pendulum has almost switched to the point now that you're almost guilty and have to prove yourself innocent, and even in that fact, you're not. And what's disturbing about this particular case, it looks as, in a lot of ways, that this lawyer is taking advantage of it. Yes, well put. Well, uh, I say we have to figure out our schedules because toward the end of the month, the Tennessee Lady Balls are heading to College Station to play the Aggies on a Sunday and plan to be there for that. Okay. Um, so we're not sure when we're going to have the next podcast. Probably do, be during the week. I'm not sure. Monday, Tuesday. We'll fit it all in, listeners. Don't worry about all that. Thank you, yeah, as always. Yeah, I'm looking at my schedule. <laughs> And it may be a good chance for me to take a road, road trip. Yeah. Get on with you. Maybe we can do it on the road. So yeah, we'll we'll, we'll figure. We'll, we'll make work. It we'll make it. We'll make it happen. happen. You know, that's not a problem. You know, keep in mind that the uh, SWAC basketball championship will be in A Town men's and women's in March. March 11th through the 15th. In March 14th, five days of March 14th SWAC basketball. is my birthday. As the Wildcat talked over me, saying that March 14th is my birthday, and letting all everybody know. When you want to send me tweets on my yeah, birthday, so uh, really? March fourteenth is my birthday. Really? I'm saying it for the third time. So uh, <laughs> really, so but then well, roughly, if you do that February tenth is my so then feel free, feel free. Hey, That's no problem. And I'm, yours is, sir. I'm a football guy. It's so, September the eighth. So you know, if any listeners want, I got yeah, a while. Just want to send us birthday tweets on those days. Basketball you know, feel people free. That's, around here. That's fine. Um, in all seriousness, thank you everyone for your support. Listening to the podcast, telling everyone, uh, retweeting the links to uh, the podcast that I post. We appreciate that. We're still working towards getting sponsors uh, for the podcast this year. That is my one of my goals this year is to get sponsors, at least one, obviously, hopefully more sponsors for the podcast uh, for the KG Fifthwood Wildcat and Doc Podcast. I think we're going to get that done. Thank you everyone for listening. At some point, we will talk NFL. We'll talk NFL and. When that big game, I, can, I probably can't even say it legally, the big game. Yeah, that's how you uh, do. It. That's so how you do. It. That's the safe way to say that's it. Right. That's how you do. So it. we'll give our prediction for that and talk about those things as we get closer and closer to that in February. Gentlemen, thank you as always. We'll reconvene at the H and P for the the double hitter. Gonna wrap it up as I always do. In conclusion, be true, be cool, and. Do more.